Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to the Elimination Chamber 2023 review. I'm Michael Hamford from What Culture and I'm joined by Phil Chambers from What Culture to discuss everything that happened on Elimination Chamber, the premium live event that has just wrapped as we speak. But first, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only preview and review premium live events such as Elimination Chamber, but also Monday Night Raw, Friday Night Smackdown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, because we are less biased than Ariel Helwani, other pay-per-views <laughs> and premium live events, also wrestling interviews, have a roundtable discussions and a round of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. And it is wrestle culture where you can typically find my learned colleague, Phil Chambers, who lends his thoughts of the week. And Phil, on Friday's wrestle culture, I believe you did a kind of in-depth preview of uh, Elimination in Chamber. Always in-depth. Always in-depth. Uh, culture. It's, it's like, I mean, I know you and Michael Sedgwick, you like to do your Fluff. analysis Fluff, in, in inverted Fluff. commas. Uh, but yeah, everyone knows where the, the real hard-hitting stuff comes from wrestle culture. <laughs> well, this is it, you see. Now, whatever version of Elimination Chamber was previewed on wrestle culture, it was also previewed on another podcast. It was previewed through predictions thing that me and you did for the YouTube <laughs> channel. It was previewed in article formats by myself, by Sidrick, by Jamie Kennedy, by countless others. It was discussed between uh, yourself and Gareth, Andrew Pollard on news stories. What I'm getting to here is that it was basically, as Triple H himself uh, called it in the press scrum that we caught a little bit of before we came in to record this, a WrestleMania-like show six weeks out from WrestleMania. Elimination Chamber has been the talk of the wrestling world in the way that a B-show and Elimination Chamber hasn't been for years and years and years and years. Before we kind of just go into the match-by-match rundown, how did you feel uh, it managed to live up to the expectations set by all of this incredible coverage, this confluence of things that centred around Montreal this weekend? Yeah, it's insane, really. It's almost as if you sort of book yourself a storyline that's actually really, really good, and then <laughs> people connect with it, and then people buy tickets to go see it, and people pay to, like, people take time out of their day to watch it on TV and get it on pay-per-view and things, and, and it actually becomes a success. Imagine booking wrestling. <laughs> Imagine. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, I think it was a, it, I, I, I don't want to say it was a one-match show, there was definitely other things mm-hmm. on there, but let's face it, it was built around Roman and Sammy. that was the, yep. the biggest thing, that was what everyone was coming to see, mm-hmm. and I think, like, no matter what your thoughts on, oh, maybe Sammy could win, or, like, they might, like, call an audible, or change their plans going into WrestleMania or anything, I think it was pretty much what everyone thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. but that is not a bad thing, no. uh, either, I don't, I don't want to point that out, uh, it's still... 
perfectly tied in to the drama that has been going on for months now between Sami Zayn and the Bloodline. It was a really, really, really good story beat within that. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't I don't think anyone could possibly be disappointed in sort of that as a match and a moment coming out of the show. And it's another thing where it's 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 it was more about that kind of crowd reaction, that connection that it had with people than about the match itself. If you yeah. took the story and you took that crowd out of that match, it would be like a two-star match or something. Yeah. But because it had the story and it had the, the melodrama and the story beats and the uh, added bells and whistles with uh, the Usos and things and the crowd, everything else just piled on and piled on and piled on and made it a really great moment at the end of the show. And I think, and obviously we will get to that at the end of this review, but I think that did elevate everything else on the show as well. Yeah. Which I'm going to throw to you now because uh, as regular listeners to podcasts will know, I'm a complete hack. I'm nowhere <laughs> near as good with the, uh, the play-by-play, the actual meat of these things. Uh, in the absence of Adam Wilborn, myself and y- yourself, by the way, I should say, did uh, do the live stream for this tonight. So we are coming at this at whatever it is, like half past five in the morning. 22 now? minutes past five. 22 minutes past five. But so if you if, hear a rustling, it's me eating jelly babies because <laughs> I'm running on sugar right now. If you're interested to get our actual, literal, honest-to-God live feelings on this show, you can indeed find them at various timestamps on that stream. Exactly, you can, still yeah, come back you can and watch see it all. But yeah, to you, Phil, it happened. for uh, a rundown of the show. Well, it's funny how you call yourself a hack, because I'm a hack, because I chose this side of things, because this is much easier than the actual <laughs> analysis side of things, which is what you're actually good at. So, we started off the night uh, with the Women's Elimination Chamber match. Of course, it was Oscar versus Carmella versus Raquel mm. Rodriguez versus Nikki Cross versus Natalia versus Liv Morgan, and uh, Liv Morgan and Natalia were the first two to kick it off. Um, it took some time. They sort of did a bit of wrestling, as yeah. you would to do, and then Rodriguez was the next person to come out, uh, quickly sort of taking everything over with her size and strength advantages, obviously. Uh, Nikki Cross was the fourth person to come out in there, um, doing some crazy Nikki Cross stuff. She, like, climbed up to the top of the pods. Wasn't to be there. Definitely yeah. wasn't to be there. She did a big crossbody off the top of the pods to the sort of outside of the ring on top of everybody. Uh, and then um, Asuka was the last person, sorry. Uh, Kamala was the next person to come in. Asuka was the last person. Uh, and there was no eliminations before everybody else was out there, obviously. And then it all started to sort of kick off slowly, mm. I guess. Um, so Nikki Cross was the first person to be taken out of the match. Not that we saw it on the stream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because uh, Raquel Rodriguez kind of ran her through the plexiglass of the pods um, and then like chucked her back in the ring and pinned her whilst we were watching a replay of her being run through the yeah. plexiglass of the pods. Uh, so Nikki Cross was the first person to be taken out slightly unceremoniously compared to everybody else, I think, yeah. in this match. Um, Asuka, when she came in, she meant, like just went straight after Carmella, absolutely battering her. Um, Natalia uh, managed to get Liv Morgan into the sharpshooter and Asuka kind of, that was how they, uh, there was an- another bit I should say about um, Liv Morgan as well. We were going into this, like Liv Morgan's going to do something crazy. And she obviously like, like climbed to the top of the pod and she did a diving um, sunset flip onto Raquel Rodriguez that looked like it was so close to going hideously wrong, <laughs> but then ended up being hideously right. It was really, really good. Uh, so yeah, um, uh, Natalia got Liv Morgan in the sharpshooter and then Asuka kind of came in and put like a, on bar cross face thing. Mm. Uh, well, uh, I don't know what yeah, it's, like, it's like an arm. She grabbed both her hands. Like a stump puller, but with an arm yeah, rather she, than a leg. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, she definitely couldn't tap out. It's, no. <laughs> it's definitely part of this. Uh, and Liv Morgan ended up actually passing out in this mm. uh, as a way to get her out of the match. 
Um, and then it was uh, Raquel Rodriguez's time to be eliminated. And again, um, protecting Raquel Rodriguez a hell of a lot because Asuka and Carmella just kicked the absolute crap out of her <laughs> face um, until she just fell down into a pile uh, on the floor and ended up getting pinned by both of them as well. It took both of them to pin it. Um, and then it left um, Carmella versus Asuka at the end of it. Uh, Asuka eventually getting in the armbar onto Carmella. Um, to win the match and punch her ticket to WrestleMania, as they say, to go on and take on Bianca Belair. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was one of them ones where I think the big pressure on this was to make everybody uh, feel like they belonged in the match. There's been a distinct problem with the women's division lately where there's been a... Well, they've just not told enough stories. There's been, like, an underdevelopment of numerous characters. Uh, I think you'll find, like, Nikki Cross is, like, laughing with uh, Candice LeRae a lot. So that's a a good story. She's wacky, but we're not sure how violent (laughs) she is yet. Like, there there was significant problems yet again, really, with the Royal Rumble in that respect. Um, And I just thought this Elimination Chamber hid those exceptionally well. Like, every character felt quite well drawn. Um... You know, you talked about the eliminations. We talked uh, in What Went Down, which you can find on uh, YouTube now, I believe, mm-hmm. about how um, protection is such a dirty word in WWE because of the way in which that like has been used and abused, really, rather than actually trying to get people over. This made an honest and earnest attempt to get everybody over, even when others were going over. And that's the point of every match, really. Look, you may not be mad into, and I'm certainly not into Liv Morgan liking the pain. It's all a bit cheesy and a bit one-dimensional. She had a bit of a, I don't know if you could call it character progression, she just changed her gear. She uh, did, so she, very she, nice gear it was. Her gear looks a little bit more like that kind of a character. Yeah, it does. And Coming like, together a little bit. It well, is, I so. think, and they're following through with it as well. It's not yeah. just a, a trait that is being dropped, which is very important. But the submission was super effective. Even if she wasn't doing the wacky pantomime element of it, being in two submissions at the same time and being unable to submit but not willing to is perfectly in keeping with that character and indeed something that people should like about her because she's not not been very likable lately. So that, I think, will help. You can't argue with it in terms of a way of going out. Yeah. Like, yep, fair. There's nothing you can do in that point. The Raquel Rodriguez elimination might have been my favourite elimination of the night. Yeah. Quite honestly, like, they... Just that nice visual of... So it was Carmella on one side with super kicks. It was Asuka with her kicks on the other side. And the two of them just kick, kick, kick to the point where Raquel Rodriguez, we said it was like a tree being felled. It was like bit brick by boring brick in the words of Paramore as she fell to first to her sort of knees and then to her flat back. And then even when they like covered her, it was that sort of thing where both of them were pulling back on a leg each. Mm-hmm. It, they didn't even just have, say, Asuka get the pin or Carmella steal it or anything like that. They couldn't have done more to make her seem like a big threat to them and indeed the title. So again... Just like with the Royal Rumble, thought Raquel Rodriguez had a great night. Carmella was really fun, running into every pod to try and hide, rather than just her own, in a desperate attempt to do as little as possible to get the win, because she felt like she was out of the depth. And Asuka felt as big time as she has since the Royal Rumble. I'm not convinced that when you drop Asuka back in the week to week, um, that character sustains itself. I just think we've seen a lot of Asuka over the years, kind of just mixing it up on television, and it doesn't suit in the way that it used to. If they can keep... But then I think that's a Bianca Belair problem too. If they can keep both of these women away from the rank and file now that they're against each other, they may yet get a big WrestleMania night for the pair of them yet again. I'm I'm, I'm interested. Like yeah. They kind of have got me on the hook for it, but it's how they can develop Asuka into enough of a challenger that they believe that she can win. Because at the moment, it feels like almost too convenient a win for Bianca. Yeah, and Asuka doesn't have the greatest track record. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll have to wait and see, I guess, with the... 
it's the storyline direction that they go with this as well because mm. um, a lot of the time I think with Asuka stories like there's not a lot of meat and meat on the bones no. with them I mean Asuka makes it work because she's Asuka and she's absolutely amazing it's like who's hardest in a fight which yeah be nice to get a bit more to yeah. that yeah and I don't yeah. know if that works with the Bianca Belair character either mm. and the, the sort of baby face fire of it all like she can be bigger and stronger and the EST etc but it's doesn't quite fit with the Asuka. I'm slightly nervous we're going to get three weeks of Can They Coexist as a start point of this. And it's yeah, not a story, is it? Possible. It's just a thing they do. Um, but yeah, from the good to maybe skipping the bad and straight into the ugly. <laughs> um, Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley, yeah. a match that we, well, I mean, me personally thought they can't mess this up, mm-hmm. surely. This is a really easy one uh, going into it. Apparently they can. Um, <laughs> so it was... Really short, but that's, again, not a mm. slight against it. It's about Lesnar match in this day and age. You kind of expect them to go a little bit short. But it was, it started off really fast. There was one suplex. It wasn't even a German suplex. There was a belly-to-belly mm-hmm. suplex. And then they went straight into the finishers. Uh, and it was F5s. It was spears. There was kickouts of two of each. Mm. Um, and then eventually, uh, well, I say eventually, like two minutes later, uh, Robbie Lashley got brought Lesnar in the hurt lock. And he was in it for ages, and Brock Lesnar was, like, desperately trying to get out and thinking like he was about to. And then just incredibly blatantly low-blowed Bobby Lashley yeah. with the sort of kick from underneath, behind, uh, under the legs. And the referee DQ'd Brock Lesnar, so Bobby Lashley wins. And then Brock Lesnar kind of got a bit mad afterwards. He F5'd Bobby Lashley through the announce table. He F5'd the referee onto the pile of the announce table. <laughs> Uh, and and that was kind of it. it yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> There's a time and a place for these finishes, and it's like 23 to 25 years ago on an Attitude Era edition of Raw, yeah. when the pace of the shows was moving so quick that you could just get on to the next thing and enjoy a pop. Montreal, like, were an excellent crowd tonight, and, of course, I understand being in a live venue why you would love seeing two guys the size of Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar brawl near a table, and Brock yep. goes, uh, Bobby goes to a table with an F5. But that, as a mate good, just simply didn't wash. And the fans were booing again pretty soon afterwards. They knew they'd been given, a, you know, a dodgy finish, something that was a cheap get-out, a delaying tactic maybe. I just don't see... Yeah, the match was nothing, so there's just simply nothing to talk about. I'm yet to find a positive in the, what, three times me and you have analysed this match since <laughs> it finished? Yeah. I can't particularly pretend I'm that interested right now in... Uh, either of them fighting Bray Wyatt slash Uncle Howdy at WrestleMania based on the SmackDown hook that was dropped. I definitely, definitely don't want this as a rematch ever again. Like, I feel like this, in terms of angle advancement and the, the characters themselves, they've got anti-chemistry. It's as if neither ever wants to really be just the defeated party out of the two of them. So I'm not really sure what I'm even supposed to think. Who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? All of that. And they've given you so many Hurt Business teasers that I think it was reasonable to assume that this might have been the destination for it. Yeah. I know that we talked about whether or not it would be as a result of this match that they would need to get back together on Raw. But what even justifies it? Yes, Lashley was put through a table, so MVP could say, look, you were out there on your own. It wouldn't have been the case if we were there. But he had him beat. Yeah. You know, he was, he was low blood. He was coming at it from a position of have a bit of vulnerability because he was his knackers were hurting. Like... <laughs> I just don't think that's the most creatively satisfying way to get to that story. And it just it just reeks of there being a disagreement over the finish and this being a compromise. And I don't, on a premium live event, you don't like watching compromises. Yeah, absolutely. You've got as well, like the, I guess, the Bray Wyatt wrinkle that you're going to have to throw in here yeah. of the thing that he threw out on SmackDown where he's like, oh, Bobby or Brock, whoever wins, mm-hmm. like, one. 
Um, so I guess Bobby versus Bray is going to be Mania match. Maybe. Which again, how the hell do you get the Hurt Business in that logically? Unless it's a weird tag match with Uncle Howdy. And then, like, if if Bobby lost definitively, you could go to Raw and say, okay, I need the Hurt Business. Mm -hmm. If Bobby won definitively, it could have been a either because of the Hurt Business or he could still go to them. It's like, look, I'm on fire now. Like, let's do this or whatever. Like, Mm. this this is the only finish in all of this where you're like, oh, well, I... I don't know what's coming next, and I also kind of don't care. <laughs> that's, I think that's it. Like the two major problems. We'll have to see what the follow through is. But on the like, we can only judge this based on what we've seen on the night, and the night wasn't very satisfying. Yeah, absolutely. But next up, it was Edge and Beth Phoenix, the great couple, <laughs> uh, taking on the what? 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 I'm in the flipping judgment day. Thank you. Too late for that. It's half past five in the morning. I'm really happy about that. Uh, So it was, yeah, of course, Edge and Beth Phoenix versus Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. Uh, Edge and um, Balor kind of started off the match vaguely for a little bit before it ended up being Rhea Ripley and Beth Phoenix, and they pretty much wrestled the entire match. Mm. (laughs) Like There wasn't a huge amount of Edge and uh, Finn Balor in When you were watching those two women, you were watching Dominic Mysterio on the outside causing bother. Yes. Pretty much, right? Yeah, Yeah. this is very true. Um, So this was just stupid and really good fun at the same time. Um, Like both Rhea Ripley and uh, Beth Phoenix looked absolutely great in it. Um, Dominic was just desperately trying to distract... Beth Phoenix from the outside. Um, Beth Phoenix kind of chased him around and then like went back to Rhea Ripley, um, chucking her into the ring steps. The stuff they were doing looked like strong and stiff. Mm. Um, it was really good. Mysterio kept on getting back into it. Um, yeah, he like kind of crotched Beth Phoenix on the top rope and then he kind of got chased away by <laughs> Edge. Uh, and then after being chased away by Edge, he kind of almost immediately came back in to like roaring booze just and <laughs> was like just wandering down, soaking it all up yeah. back to the ringside. Um, it was just, uh, it was, it was really, really good fun. Um, Beth Phoenix ended up superplexing Rhea Ripley off the top rope, which is the one time, Dominic, you actually could have probably saved yeah. that just by grabbing a leg and you would have been fine, but no. Um, <laughs> and uh, I guess the biggest thing in this match is what we said on what went down with the kind of weird little FTR teasers. Yeah. Um, in the, uh, there was a bit where Finn Balor ran underneath the ring uh, to get to the other side to pull Edge off the ring apron mm-hmm. um, before he could tag and then do this stupid celebration because <laughs> he's Finn Balor and he's just having the best time of his life right now. Um, there was a bit when uh, Edge and Beth Phoenix had Rhea and Finn Balor in uh, submissions. What's mm-hmm. it called? Uh, uh, they were both in Educators. There you go. Like educators. Shop, yeah. uh, and instead of the uh, FTR thing where they hold each other's hand to not let each other tap, this was Rhea Ripley grabbing Finn's hand and <laughs> shouting in his face, don't tap. Um, and then eventually the finish came down uh, to Edge and Beth Phoenix hitting a big rig yeah. uh, to win the match. It's, I mean, so yeah, WWE calling it the, Corey Graves, I think it was, calling it the, the Shatter Machine and yeah. giving it its, you know, its original Revival moniker. Yeah. It's, I don't know if there was anything or nothing to this or it's just Edge. Like Edge is good mates with the Revival, I think. Um, they've talked about that before. And Dax has very recently, as recent as this week, in fact, said that he thinks that Edge and Christian would be the dream match. Mm-hmm. And that's led lots of people to think, well, where's Edge going then? You know, what's the yeah. what's the future look like? Um, so maybe it was just a nice nod rather than anything more than that. But there were huge elements to this match, which, as you say, otherwise was leaning more on fun than anything else. Dominic mm-hmm. Mysterio was exactly as we expected, as a, like an invaluable addition, as a troublemaker on the floor. 
everybody's having the time of their lives out there, and the fun's so infectious. It's why I love the Judgment Day most of all. Yeah. Like, they're... So I think the Judgment Day are the, uh, second to the bloodline. They're, you know, heel stables, but other than that, that's, that's the only thing they've got in common. Everything is almost like light relief with the Judgment Day. There's such a laugh. Like, you want to see them get the comeuppance in situations like this, but then you can drive up the heat when you need them to do a big angle because they're the baddies, and that's the job, ultimately, is to be bad guys. But then if they need to sell and show ass and be daft as they were here, I think it makes for, like, an intoxicating experience. A resounding success in what, to me, and I may be biased because they're such a favourite of mine, but just feels like the latest resounding success of this act. Edge in the press conference said he was, like, proud of the judgment day. He was, like, <laughs> stepping out of kayfabe a bit to say how proud he was, how proud of it he was. And I wonder that, like, did he... God knows what he ever imagined it would be. Yeah. But I suppose if it was ever to just get some guys some exposure that hadn't yet found their groove... It's worked. It's really hard to, like... Did you watch The American Office? No. There's a bit where, like... I won't bore you with a long, long story, but there's a bit where a man is kind of... Michael Scott, the boss, is pretending to be the father of a baby. And they pull a diagram up, and it's like, so uh, John has had a baby with a sperm donor, and Michael, who believes himself to be the father, is right the way over here on, like, a different chart. Yeah. That's kind of Edge's relation to the Judgment Day at this point. But he's not wrong. Yeah. This act has become as great as the sum of its parts, who are all individually performing the best they've ever performed within WWE. And I kind of, if this is the the end of the Edge program and we're not getting Edge and Finn Balor at WrestleMania, I sincerely hope there's something good on the docket for them. (laughs) Like, if they're all just back in Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio and their separate singles matches, that's fine. But I was quite liking the idea of all of them having something to do because I just feel like they've warranted their spots. Yeah, absolutely. I think... It's Yeah, it's an odd one with the Edge situation because it's a very different group than what it was when Edge was in there. Yeah. But at the same time, if he's had any part of allowing these people to just be free mm-hmm. and like be themselves and get this side of them out there, that is, that's the most valuable thing he could po- yeah. probably possibly do. Like This Finn Balor is the best Finn Balor's been in WWE, as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. because of how himself he is and how free he is and you can just feel it that he's having a great goddamn time every time he's out there with his kind of overselling the reactions he's doing to things him walking out of the arena saying how much he hates edge yeah (laughs) i Uh, hate you it's all so so good and it's just reminiscent of the prince devitt character that we saw in new japan and traveling all over the goddamn world yeah um which is the reason that wwe hired this guy in the first place let's face it that's right, yeah, and that's a key point to that because there's a lot of people who got hired in that Triple H spree when he was kind of hoovering up his favourites from the independent scene yeah. that then ultimately were never going to be guys that Vince McMahon would appreciate. And Triple H seemed to want to ignore that step between NXT and the main roster. Yeah. And it's only now, and some as a result of Vince being gone and some not, that it takes years to earn enough people's trust to get that go of it. Yeah. Um, and then oh. it's not even fin- it's not even just Finn though as well. Like it, at the same time, Damian Priest has been the yeah. best we've seen him in WWE. The most sort of open and natural in mm-hmm. his position. Dominic Mysterio is way more interesting than he ever was with Dom. Whatever his uh, voice is, Ray. he's found it here. Hasn't yeah, he? yeah. And, and it's ludicrous. And yeah. it's over the top, <laughs> but it's absolutely great. And Rhea Ripley has just come out of this as a goddamn star. I tell you what else is a goddamn star. Hello, for the segue, Phil. 
is Joey Metalman, at there Joey Metalman, who we did catch. Thank you for your sign. Uh, we've re- both retweeted this. I think it's off the work counter as well. It did indeed say, Hamlet and Chambers are in the flipping judgment day. Yeah. And uh, we did catch that sign. You can actually see it during the entrance that Edge and Beth Phoenix make, but there's also another shot during the match. Thank yeah. you so much for that one, Joey Metalman. Follow at Joey Metalman on Twitter for a closer look at that. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, big fan of this. And also... Uh, Edge finding his lighter side a little bit mm. after all the years of grit and whatever those yeah. promos were. It's S- nice to see him having a bit more fun in the ring. Than That's his <laughs> value. Honestly, I know some people still like veiny-headed, angry Edge. Nope. No, thank you. But like, there was, like when he cut his hair for this gimmick, I was just grateful that we didn't have to see him running his hands through it when he was setting up angry spears. <laughs> like, this is the Edge I want a bit more of. And I know that that doesn't necessarily lend itself to a high-drama WrestleMania match. Yeah. But I watched a high-drama WrestleMania match last year with AJ Styles, and it was one of the worst things I saw all weekend. Yeah. So I don't need that. Let's have a bit more fun, Edge, yeah. back, please. Uh, But next up, it was the Men's Elimination Chamber match for the United States Championship. It was Austin Theory versus Montez Ford versus Bronson Reed, Johnny Gargano, Damian Priest, and Seth Rollins. Uh, Gargano and Seth Rollins were the two to start it off. Uh, Theory was the first one out, obviously coming out and attacking them both. Gargano and uh, Rollins teamed up quite a lot throughout this Mm. match, Um, but specifically here to sort of take out Austin Theory, chucking him into his own pod and then sort of shutting the door uh, while they were both in there and just beating the hell out of him. (laughs) Um, Damien Priest was the next one in um, who just kind of went after Rollins and Gargano with just sort of big moves of it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Uh, Bronson Reed uh, was in next, leaving Montez Ford as the final guy. 
so the eliminations went down. Well, let's talk about Montez Ford first because yeah. he uh, was, for some reason, sucking it all over the place. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what he'd eaten the night before, mm. uh, but he was leaving suckets to absolutely everyone and then eventually went for people's elbow, and, but he, like, he had his wrist tape on, so he was like, furiously trying to get his yeah. wrist tape off so he could throw it to have something to um, throw before he ran for the people's elbow. But then Bronson Reed came in and interrupted it. Uh, Bronson Reed ended up getting poison rawned by Johnny Gargano after Seth Rollins did like a jumping clothesline while Gargano was on um, Bronson yeah. Reed's uh, shoulders. And then Montez Ford hit uh, um, this, he like climbed up to the very top of the pod and like lifted himself up by his hands to his feet and then did this weird like crossbody down onto absolutely everybody. Um, probably I'd say the best from the very top pod move that we've seen. Like we've seen others try and do things from the dangling from the top of the pod thing. Yeah. That have always been, like, really awkward or taken a really long time to get into a position. The F5 last year was one of the best, wasn't yeah, it? No, like, yeah. We don't get many that it was, like, just basic and yeah. that's really high and that's what the drama of this is, I think, yeah. Uh, well, that was really good. And then Brunson Reed ended up getting hit with the final beat, the curb stomp, the frog splash uh, for Montez Ford pinning Brunson Reed to get him out. Yet again, like we were saying about protecting people, Mm -hmm. you got hit with absolutely everything. Uh, But he was still the first one out. Uh, And then um, battle continued. Seth Rollins was uh, fighting to the top of one of the pods with Johnny Gargano. Again, they were kind of teaming up, but then they just sat down next to each other, gave each other a look, and Seth Rollins was like, nope, and (laughs) chopped uh, Johnny Gargano. They started fighting, and then he looked like he was going to powerbomb Gargano off the top of the pod, but Gargano reversed it into a Hurricane Vana that just went down onto absolutely everybody. Uh, But the one person that it didn't take out was Damien Priest, who ended up razor's edging uh, Johnny Gargano and taking Gargano out of the match. And then uh, Seth Rollins and Montez Ford managed to take out Damien Priest with a blockbuster sort of powerbomb and combo. And then Montez Ford got hit with a curb stomp on the outside, sort of. He was like between the ropes and he got hit on the outside of the ring. And then Austin Theory sort of jumped in to get the sneak um, pin on Montez Ford to take him out. But after that, uh, a bunch of uh, like medics and um, officials and things came in to sort of check on Montez Ford uh, and make sure he was okay. And they ended up sort of lifting him out and sort of taking him out. Um, we were wondering about what was going on at the time on the stream, but it turns out. It was all a work because it was there to get the door open to allow Logan Paul, of all people, to come in and interfere in the Elimination Chamber. He hit the bookshot lariat onto Seth Rollins. He curb-stumped him, and then Austin Theory hit the A-Town down on Seth Rollins to get the victory. Austin Theory, still your United States champion. Yeah, um, predictable finish, predictable storyline developments between Seth Rollins and Logan Paul. Uh, I guess you could say predictable kind of order of eliminations, but not in a way where I had much of a problem with yeah. any of it. I, like, I don't know, maybe I'm quite curious more than possibly any other match on this card as to what people just watching the traditional way, because we don't watch it the traditional way as much <laughs> as I, you know, there, there is a sort of element where we're dipping in between comments and there's like, if the action ever sags, there's always things that we can be looking at or talking about or whatever. And then you come back for these array of high spots of which we got plenty here yeah. and really well-threaded high spots at that, really logically, like in spite of how vicious and dangerous some of them were. And if you think of like uh, uh, the contrivances that need to allow for Montez Ford to climb the cage in the first place, I'm not saying all of them were like immaculate and elegant, but most of them flowed quite well considering the the comparison to some of the chamber high spots we've seen in the past. 
So I really quite enjoy this. Much like the women's division, I'm not convinced that uh, Raw's mid-card, which is what this was an exhibition of, is in that great health. And yet this made it seem quite the opposite. Bronson Reed has done nothing since his debut. Yep. Johnny Gargano's main roster run has been, I would say, probably the most high-profile Triple H disappointment since Vince McMahon resigned in disgrace. Yep. Austin Theory, it remains to be seen if he really is what the company wants him to be. And like, there's all these on and on and on it goes with uh, this Raw mid-card and this Raw undercard. And yet this played like a match with high stakes, high incident, high drama, all that good stuff. Um, and the Logan Paul running on Seth Rollins was that really cool reminder that, uh, well, for one, Seth shouldn't be farting about with Austin Theory anymore, if ever yeah. again. But also that, like, of his individual star power, of the fact that Rollins had dropped down a notch to work with these guys and now was getting pushed back into something, you know, as obviously much as in kayfabe he doesn't want to lose. Yeah. This was very the very definition of a losing upwards because <laughs> now he goes into a major spotlight thing with Logan Paul, a guy who will position himself as Seth Rollins' athletic equal and then have enough physical evidence to almost back it up. Yeah. Like, I think their chemistry instantly feels great. I'm Like, jury's out on how much of a story they can tell on television before one or both of them becomes simply too annoying that you want to switch off. <laughs> but I don't know. I just, I've got a good feeling about physically how this plays out. They just feel like immediately here felt like an immediately great match. And as you pointed out as well, because we were totally worked by it, the thought I like anytime WWE applies even the most basic level of thought, but to come up with a reason to open the door yeah, is like maybe how low my standards are for this company. <laughs> if Logan's going to get in, we need the door open. How is that going to happen? Well, what about when somebody gets eliminated? Yeah, well, everybody gets eliminated and people are running. Well, what if we need a team of medics? And then suddenly you're on your way to thinking of a way for this to make sense. Yeah. And I just appreciate that as somebody that doesn't wish to be patronized all the time by WWE. Yeah, absolutely. And as well, I appreciate that Logan Paul was massively leading into the heel factor here. Yes, uh, yes. Biggest thing with him in WWE has been the fact that he really doesn't like to be booed. Uh, but I'm quite glad that whatever's happened, either someone's talked him around to the idea, is like, look, you're going to get booed, you may as well play into it. Yeah. And like pretend like you actually want this to be booed, to happen. Uh, or whether he's just like embraced how fun it might be to be a heel or something. I don't know. Whatever's changed there, I'm very happy that it has because it's much, much easier sell to have Logan Paul as a oh, heel gotcha. on TV. I think the, <laughs> maybe the one heel he could have ever worked a baby, as a babyface against was The Miz. And yeah. then the in terms of the WWE Championship, anyone stands a chance of being a babyface if they're going to be the one to dethrone Roman Reigns. Yeah. That's why I feel like they've kind of exploited the, maxim, like the maximum amount of babyface energy you get from a Logan Paul. Now back to what we know he's a natural at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just look at him. Yeah, <laughs> just want just to boot again. Uh, but as well, like, yeah, I mean, you're not going to ask for a better person to take you through a match at WrestleMania than Seth Rollins. He's done it. We've seen what he could do with Roman Reigns guiding yep. him. Now, like Seth Rollins is going to be just as good, but with the extra sort of athletic yeah. side of the things. general, isn't he? You know? Yeah, uh, it's going to be really good fun. Yeah. Uh, and Austin Theory, I assume, leading into Cena stuff. Looks um, that way. Uh, uh, so yeah, it looks like good things for everyone apart from probably Johnny Gargano coming out of this. Mm. Do something with Johnny Gargano. Just goddamn do something. <laughs> he looked good in this match. He did. He did. Um, and he was in there for a while, but god damn it, do something, please. Probably the best Gargano, night he's had please. on the main roster so far. Yeah. But that's since last, like, August. And in a he chamber was... match where he was very much the sixth of the guy. Yeah, <laughs> it's a low standard thus far. Yeah. Um, but the moment we all were waiting for, it was Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn for the Undisputed Universal Championship. I'm not going to go through beat by beat for this match, uh, mainly because I don't think it would do it 
justice. No. Uh, no. They played out an insanely Lock simple match. Axe handle. <laughs> they literally, yeah, they got. They, they played out an incredibly simple match, but the fact that they had the story weight behind this, the emotional weight of the uh, Roman Sami stuff, uh, Sami Zayn's um, wife or partner mm-hmm. or whoever she was uh, in the crowd at the time, Sami Zayn's family, and uh, just that Montreal crowd oh. behind this whole thing. They could do no wrong in terms of everything they do. The pop they got out of a double axe handle Insane. is just genuinely incredible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's go through the match first, I guess, and your thoughts on mm. that, and then we'll do the aftermath stuff, yeah, uh, or the finish, I guess, at the end of it. I just thought it was like to your point, really, it was um, the best possible version of the basics because when heat drives everything, everything feels ten times more effective. Yeah. You know, it's uh, like this was better technically, but if you watch, say, something like Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior, also from Canada. Um, that's a triumph for what they're not doing as much as what they are. Um, not, I'm not saying it's a space between match, but they're taking their time. People just want to watch these two collide. They want to watch them interact. And that was the case with Sammy and Roman. The Montreal crowd, exactly as you would expect, were living and dying based on every single punch Sammy threw. And the point is, this is not just a wrestler who has been a performance centre, day one that lives in a city and is going to get the hometown sports team pop for their entrance this is so much more. This is a wrestler that WWE at large has had an investment in since he signed for the company back in 2013, but one that had the richest of pedigrees and histories from the independent scene beforehand. So was kind of bringing both audiences with him from an external point of view, internal, inside that building, inside the Bell Center. He's all of the above. Which He's, he still has as well, like judging by the, yeah. the, size, the, the fact that the OLA chance have still followed him this long. So it's it. what an impact his independent run had on It's, them. you know, they were cheering for El Generico. They were cheering for Sami Zayn. They were cheering for the guy who's been gaslit by Roman Reigns. And they were tre- cheering for the hometown guy yeah. all at the same time. That's what made every move matter. The big one of the big spots that I think a few of us had talked about. I know Sidra could predict it on a pod, and I think you said it as well. Was Sammy doing his bringing his DDT back through the bottom and uh, middle ropes? Yeah, he started to do it and got uppercutted out the sky by Roman Reigns. But that's a perfect example. Like for the uninitiated, if you want to call him that, what's he lining up there? Yeah, <laughs> but in the moment it didn't really matter because he's got the advantage. Hey, he's lost it. Ah, and that's replicating real sport, which is what wrestling frankly should aim to do more because real sport does make people feel yeah and that's ultimately wrestling's core purpose yeah absolutely um the finish came with a lot of shenanigans mm-hmm. let's say uh so uh Zayn was gonna hit a second blue thunder bomb on uh roman reigns but instead he kind of counted it and smashed Zayn like backwards into one of the referees to take out the referee. But then like seconds later, Zayn hit the halluva kick. He had the obvious, like really clear, very, very clear <laughs> visual pinfall uh, over Roman Reigns. Um, but because the referee was down, this obviously allowed other people to get involved. So out came Jimmy Uso. He hit a bunch of super kicks uh, and a big splash on Sami Zayn and then kind of dragged Roman Reigns over the top of Sami Zayn. Um, but still, Zayn managed to kick out at three after the refer- after a new referee came in. Uh, and then he kind of took out Jimmy with a halluva kick, who was on the sort of edge of the ring, um, and uh, turned around into another Roman Reigns spear, which was another very near fall. There was a bunch of near falls throughout all of this. <laughs> uh, he ducked out the way of a Superman punch, um, 
and then uh, Rowan's hit a second official out of the way, uh, which got them down, and then Paul Heyman got a chair, and then he threw that into the ring, and um, just as he was about to attack Sami Zayn with the steel chair, the other Uso appeared, mm-hmm. Jey Uso. He stood in between the two of them. He wasn't going to let Roman hit him, but then Roman did the exact same thing that he did to Sami. He passed the chair over to Jey Uso. Uh, but Jey Uso, he kind of refused to take any sides with it. He wouldn't take the chair. Um, well, he kind of held it, but he wouldn't mm-hmm. do anything with it. And then eventually, obviously, when Reigns was shouting at Jey Uso, uh, and he started, like, palming his face, like, pushing him around, uh, which Sammy saw. He had enough. He was yeah. coming in. He was going to spear Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns moved out of the way, unfortunately. Roman, uh, Sammy Zayn hit Jey Uso with the spear, and then Roman Reigns went absolutely nuts <laughs> with the steel chair, clobbered the hell out of the guy, uh, and it eventually led to the three-count uh, Roman Reigns is still your undisputed universal champion. Jey Uso still don't know where the alliance leads. Uh, is the spear going to change things? Is he going to see that it is a mistake? Mm-hmm. Um, what's Roman Reigns going to be like? What's the relationship with Jay and Jimmy after this? Obviously, after the match, Roman Reigns and Jimmy Uso were going to attack Sami Zayn. Uh, but Kevin Owens ended up coming out to an absolute thunderous pop. He pop-up powerbombed Jimmy through the table uh, and was about to attack Roman Reigns when he saw that Sami Zayn had managed to get back up to his feet and he just stepped aside to allow Sami Zayn to run in with the halluva kick to take Roman down and send the crowd home happy. No big embrace or anything from Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. It was just uh, Kevin Owens kind of helping his buddy and then stepping aside to sort of let him have this moment and we don't quite know where that's going to lead but again there's a lot of questions still coming out of this and that's been the best thing about this bloodline storyline all going all the way through yeah i think it's um a real achievement i'd like i thought this at, when we were watching and the more i've like given it some consideration kevin owens not really yet being quite ready to kiss and make up fully with sammy Zayn. i think it's so key to the success of this to me yeah because there was no hug it was a bit Seinfeldian. No hugging, no learning. Yes. Not yet. <laughs> if there was, if he was his real, oh my God, I'm so happy to see you, like we're best buds, da, 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 then he should have been there for the match. Yeah. And he wasn't. And I think that's a key detail. And I think that's a good one as well. That like ultimately he was going to let Sammy do it on his own much as he let Sammy pose on his own when the show was going off the air. Um, it was when he was in a time of crisis and peril as a result of the numbers game and the bloodline that he felt like it was the honourable thing to do. Yeah. And I like that as a babyface trait from Owens. Um, otherwise, I've not really... Um, I'm not going to say 10 out of 10 no notes, but I'm going to say pick your rank out of 10 no notes because I really think WWE delivered a very strong offering here. Like, I'm not... Uh, I'm not going to go wild on praise for the match because it was kept mostly basic. But as we talked about, if you're getting those reactions off basic, do more basic. Yeah. Don't fill up your bump card with even more stuff. Don't risk your neck, literally. Um, just keep that bump card from going, like... I don't know, like... You know, with Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn getting so physical... You highlighted this. Uh, Ro- Sami Zayn getting progressively tougher... Yeah, within the body of the match. I now want to see that out of him and Owens as a team. Jey Uso didn't have to um, commit one way or another so we can keep that tension going. Yeah. But Sammy and Kevin, as babyfaces, have had to fight the bloodline. Like now, after the Royal Rumble and after this, they've got to destroy 
yeah. the bloodline as best they can. They might not quite get to Roman, but they've got to destroy the bloodline. So the harder they're going to hit and the more dangerous they're going to go has to be now. Anything before that, especially Montreal, especially with atmosphere, like wouldn't have felt as real as yeah. it will now go on to feel. You know, we didn't get Solo Sokoa here. Like yeah. at some point he's going to want to physically involve himself and they're going to have to fight back against him. This is not just a linear story. I think they're telling here. Jimmy Uso has made it quite clear that he's more than happy to beat up Sami Zayn for the cause. And Kevin Owens thus was able to be just as violent with him. We've had neither of that from Jey Uso. So how is that going to look when all of this escalates? I'm just quite impressed with the questions they've left. Um, despite giving you a finish, despite giving you Roman Reigns, surviving yet again as champion in yet again another situation where he's increasingly undeserving. Yeah. It's the perfect, like, the 900 days graphics on Twitter make this man feel like a pillar, like a statue, like an icon. And it holds water when he enters and when he throws that one up in the air. But as soon as you, it's like a car, as soon as you, like, look under the hood, you realise the engine is rotting. And the battery is dying, and it's out of oil. And it just takes things not to work for him anymore for that car to finally break down and finally clap out. Owens and Zayn doing that to the ESOs does free up for Cody. And that's not Cody getting in through the back door. No, That's yeah. Cody just being the right guy at the right time, as he's kind of been all along. I love these converging factors. I'm very curious as to know how other people feel about it, but I really like how these are coming. I never wanted Sammy to win. I wanted the gallant defeat, and I feel like that's what I got. Yeah, it's the like story arc, or just the progression of the confidence within Sami Zayn as well. Like mm-hmm. we've gone from Raw with the promo with uh, Cody Rhodes, where he's very unsure of himself, like he didn't know if he was like the guy that could do this, yep. and Cody Rhodes was trying to be the one to like instill that confidence on him. He had the moment in uh, on SmackDown in Montreal where it was the crowd that was instilling that confidence in him. Amazing. Um, and then throughout this, when he started, like he's, he wasn't laying things in as much as he, as he could, like I said. But then as it went on, like the confidence built, and he started hitting a bit harder and a bit harder. And now he's had that moment where, yes, he's lost, but he knows what Roman had to do to take him down. Mm-hmm. He knows that he was the one stood tall at the end of the night. He was the one that halluva kicked Roman to keep him down as the last thing people saw. Like that is... A huge boost of confidence going into whatever it is that is next for Sami Zayn to regain that fire, that um, sort of babyface passion, a belief in himself that he's lacked for years and has been hiding through the conspiracy theory stuff, through his intercontinental title reign of surrounding himself with uh, Shinsuke and Cesaro. Yeah. Um, like all the way through this for a really, really long time. And then obviously all the way through the bloodline. It was the whole reason he got into the bloodline was because yeah. he didn't like believe in himself, but he thought he could add something to this. And Some that direction, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it's it's all kind of come to a head this week where it's all finally built to maybe him finally getting that spark back. That like you say, if they take this into him and Kevin Owens going forward, it's like that's unstoppable. And that's a, a fantastic run for a team going forward. Yeah. Ultimately, I think that's it. I think um, the fact that, like, I'm not going to compare this to the Royal Rumble in terms of, like, the drama, and the, the, but it was a different narrative development yeah. that needed to play out here. And as well, you know, 42 days away from WrestleMania, that is enough time to start putting a bow on the this Sami Zayn bloodline story. And I think how you do that is with the questions that still need to be answered. They're no longer the biggest questions, but they're still pretty big ones. And I think that's going to be nice for, at very least, a tag team main event, which I still think could main event night one. 
Yeah. Like, we'll see, we'll see how the card starts to feel as we get closer to it. But I still think the people that were pining for Sami Zayn main event or believing that the tag match wouldn't feel like one, I'm not so sure. Like, I get the feeling tonight that they've seen Sami Zayn in a spot, especially over the weekend when you add the SmackDown to it. Yeah. And you think, well, yeah, that, that would absolutely work for a, for a night one of WrestleMania as well. Um, what did you... You think, listen to this, what was your take on Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns? The big payoff, the big sort of finale of, I guess, Sami Zayn's pursuit for the title as we head now directly towards Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes. And what indeed did you think of Elimination Chamber as a whole? Um, you can let all of us know at whatculture.com forward slash WWE where all the articles will be on Twitter at whatculturewwe. You can also find both of us there. You can find Phil at... Phil My Chambers and you can follow Michael at... At Michael Hamflit, um, all the rest of the team are going to be in on Monday. We're going to basically, I think, sleep for the remainder of the yeah, week. Yeah, I'm going to bed. I don't no, know about yeah. you. <laughs> um, and then next week, there'll be all sorts of uh, post-show coverage. We'll see what comes out in the wash of the press conference. Monday Night Raw in Ottawa as WWE concludes its weekend in Canada. Uh, and until the next time, the road to WrestleMania has finally, properly, properly begun. And we will see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.